Hello everyone, welcome to Cinema Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things horror, sci-fi, fantasy, gems in the rough, movies that should be seen, movies that have not been seen but but should should be kept that way, let's just put it that way. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and I've got Eric Marner with me once again for another rip-roaring, fun, good old time talking about movies that no one has seen. Eric, say hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me once yeah. again. I uh, hope uh, I can bring some more interesting stuff to the table that maybe even you haven't seen. Yeah, I'm always I'm always up for for movies that have... I've never heard of uh, most of the movies that I haven't heard of, see, and, and they're older. Uh, seem to be complete turds, but you're bringing me stuff that I haven't seen that might actually be good. <laughs> well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> There's a cinema soft underbelly. It shouldn't actually be too good. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> or else other people would know about it. That's right. Yes. Well, now before we get going on actual soft underbelly stuff, I did want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Jupiter Ascending, just because. Uh, I'm I'm just dying to hear your okay. thoughts and why you liked it. If you did really like it, and why you liked it, and why you think it's getting maybe trashed like it has been, and it's bombing like it like it has been. Um, I watched it. I had expectations in check, uh, but uh, you know, I I was a fan of their last two movies, um, which was Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer. Those were the last two, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and those really divided audiences. I think they've been getting divided response since uh, the second Matrix movie, which I like all of those. Uh, yeah. I especially like the the uh, Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas, more original type stuff, um, ideas. Uh, so I've been, I've been a big fan of that, and so another original science fiction property from them, I'm like, all right, sure, I'm going to check this out. Then the reviews come in, and you're like, oh, God. Some people are calling it the next... Star Wars and other people are saying it's the next Battlefield Earth, mm-hmm. but that's quite a discrepancy. That, that's quite a space in between yeah. those two. Um, I think, I, you know, I, I really dug it. I, I, I can see why some people didn't like Eddie Redmayne's villain character, uh, but me and my buddy I saw it with, we both thought he was one of the highlights of the movie. He was great. He was creepy. And just, he was very soft-spoken because he's <laughs> like regal. Uh, he's like a hierarchy, I don't know, whatever, but a super, one of the super rich, let's put it that way. Gotcha. And so, so uh, he just came off like a perfect spoiled brat. He is, uh, the Joffrey in space. That's kind of oh, what he's nice. like. Yeah. Um, yeah. you're supposed to hate him. It's supposed to be that way, you know, yeah. and, and he's supposed to throw temper tantrums. Uh, yeah. the special effects were astounding. The action was astounding. Um, the acting was fine. I actually thought, like, um, what's his name with his pointy ears would bug me. Oh, uh, but yeah. The way that the, but the way they explain his character and everything, it made total sense and it didn't bother me at all. It, it's, I just don't understand, like, the hate it's getting. I can understand if you don't really dig it. Uh, and what I said online today, too, which is getting reaction, uh, it's kind of a, what I call a commitment film, which is... you got to commit to the mythology and the universe and whatever, and just kind of go with it. If you, yeah. if you can't do that, then this isn't the movie for you. And that's yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there are people out there that the second Luke turns on his lightsaber, they're like, 
oh, that's stupid. You can't stop a laser and have a laser sword. And, you know, when yeah, TIE yeah. fighters blow up in space, they're going, that's stupid. You can't have fireballs in space. There's no noise in space. If you're one of those people, you're not going to be the audience yeah. for this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I don't expect any positive review from you on that. And that's yeah. not that's just a difference of taste. That's not a you have no imagination kind of thing. It yeah. Just, I went in. I com- I was, I was into the mythology. I was I was going along for the ride, and I came out a good time. Eight. I, I give it an eight out of ten. Wow. A, a solid, like rock solid science yeah. fiction. That's definitely one I'll want to try and check out at the Dollar Theater when it hits the Dollar Theater. Uh, I, I'm glad to hear that because I literally, if that wouldn't have been good, that would have probably been the first. That would have been the first movie that they've made that I wouldn't have liked because everything, including Bound, I really liked Bound. In fact, Bound mm-hmm. is probably the most underbelly ish uh, movie from them. Uh, in their career, I, I thought Brown was really cool. But yeah. every single movie they've done has been, a, in my opinion, either really good or great. Uh, and Speed, La- Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas were, I thought, were fantastic. Uh, they were visionary. They were yeah. mind blowing. I, I loved them. Um, yeah. But I can, again, I can understand where that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. And what's funny is people ask why they made this movie and it's bombing. And, uh, you know, it's doing a lot better overseas. They're, they've made half their budget back already. So I think eventually they might break even with with. Uh, home media sales yeah uh but a lot of people were like why why this why this why now and here's the thing they wanted 20 million dollars to make this little post iraq war sci-fi uh gay love story weird genre bending thing that's what they wanted 20 million dollars to make this movie this other movie okay the studio the studio wanted a new um tentpole summer sci-fi thing that they could make a bunch of sequels off of. And they said, what do you have in that vein? And they said, well, we got this. And they're like, oh, here's $175 million. We're not going to give you $20 million for your little post-Iraq war gay thing, but we'll give you $175 million for that. And they're like, well, all right. And so they went and made this. (laughs) Interesting. That's actually a very, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they're actually going to be able to make that uh, post-Iraq movie or uh, I'm sure that the, the, the box office failure of this and Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer. Eventually, I would imagine that studios are going to probably start not giving them these huge budgets, I would imagine. I yeah, mean, but I heard with Cloud Atlas that they they had their houses mortgaged because that was made pretty independently, I do believe. Wow. Uh, a $100 million independent film. Yeah. Which I, which I must say, I love Cloud Atlas. That was... One of those movies that when it was over, I, I was pretty much stunned into silence. I saw that in the IMAX theater down in Florida when I lived down there. And I remember walking out of the theater thinking that was all the, the fact that I was actually able to see something like that in an IMAX theater uh, was astounding because movies like that aren't just generally made every day. Those that was such a unique, interesting, ambitious take on a from what I hear, a very difficult movie to, or a difficult uh, novel to adapt, because that's a yeah. obviously adapted, and uh, one of those like, oh, it's unfilmable, or it's 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 going to be really hard to make. So, where I get frustrated with uh, people criticizing the Wachowskis is, I feel that uh, they're just really ahead of their time, and we we live right now, especially age of the internet, has really affected uh, movies over the last ten years, mm-hmm. uh, with people knowing more and more and more and wanting more and more faster and faster. And I think that time is going to be more kind to their last few films than the world is right at this moment. Yeah. You know what I, you know what I mean? Everybody's like, give us, give us Matrix, more Matrix, do that again. And it's like, well, they got these other things, and they're not quite the same, but they're like, oh, not Matrix. 
Yeah. And that's how they get reviewed, and it's like, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually think that Speed Racer is already starting to get a little bit of a cult following. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah. Because it, it, I saw that with you in the theater, and we were going... I Personally, I went into that movie thinking, this is going to be... I mean, it's, it's bombing, getting bad reviews, it looks like a cheesy kids movie, and then I was... I was blown away. It was fantastic. Uh, I I don't even know. Were we blown away in the theater? I think we both liked it, but we're kind of, eh. And I, I thought we kind of came around to it and, and have grown to love it with every single viewing since. Yeah. At least that's, I think that's a little more I was for me. I, I think I, it, it was just the fact that, that it was a lot better than I thought it was, was going to be. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I did watch it on Blu-ray and the Blu-ray is just fantastic. The quality, the, the picture quality is amazing, but it is just, it's very visionary and, and unlike anything that has been made. And this was back in 2008 and I still haven't seen a movie quite like Speed Racer since then. That is like that. I'm just surprised with uh, everybody constantly complaining about remakes and sequels and prequels and, yeah. and no original ideas that these guys keep pumping out new stuff we haven't really seen before. I mean, you could call Speed Racer a sequel or a remake, I guess, but yeah. that's based on a 70s cartoon, for crying out loud. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> or 60s. Yeah. And it's like, you got this stuff that's at least new and fresh, and I'm surprised they're not more forgiving on it, to tell you yeah. the truth. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say that uh, Jupiter Ascending's boring. It is not boring. It follows the perfect uh, Hollywood outline of action scene every ten pages. I would yeah. say it's almost precisely that. Wow. And I, oh, I don't know. Whatever. Mm, what do I know? Yeah. I'm the sci-fi dork, though, so maybe yeah. I'm being too forgiving. I need you to watch it and let me know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the thing is, though, we, I mean, we we all know where everybody on all of our pod shows stands with uh, with Interstellar. I mean, and that's a very ambitious science fiction epic from Christopher Nolan and at least and I'll, I'll give him props for this while it was not a perfect movie it was still very ambitious and very a unique huge budget science fiction story Agreed. so yeah anyway okay well anyway it, I know that that stuff isn't quite underbelly stuff but because these because the Wachowski's movies are are bombing so bad it seems like it seems like they're starting to kind of I'm able to talk about them on my show because yeah it's like, yeah they're slipping down there please the, everybody go watch this movie and make up your own mind it deserves more money than it's than it's uh, been bringing in yeah and and uh, same applies for Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer on Blu-ray uh, or if if you can stream it great but uh, those are those are true gems in the. I hate to say gems in the rough because they're such huge budget movies, but they're uh, they're underseen. You should check them out. So, uh, anyway, maligned films. Yes, that's right. Okay, so what uh, what awesome cool seventies cheesy kung fu movie do you have for me uh, for me this week that I should be checking uh, out? Well, I do have one of those for you, but I want to talk about something else first, and that is from two thousand one, and that is Senji Suzuki's Pistol Opera. Okay. Um, now, this is a movie that qualifies as underbelly all the way. Okay. And this is by far not going to be everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> uh, but this is a movie that I have come to love. I'm um, give you a synopsis here. After nearly a decade since his last directorial outing, Senji Suzuki returns to the silver screen with this visually striking reworking of his most notorious movie, Branded to Kill, from 1967 a film so bizarre and daring that it got him fired from Nikatsu Studios. I'll have more on that in a minute, because uh, Pistol Opera was made 30 years later. Mm -hmm. in, in this go-round, the gender of the characters has been switched. Um, 
instead of so-and-so, so-and-so plays, <laughs> Japanese name, Japanese name, plays number three, a.k.a. Stray Cat. That's our main character. Uh, who, decked out in a kimono and knee-high leather boots, is assigned to her shadowy union representative, is to take out number one, the number one assassin. Number three consults with uh, number zero, who is the retired grand dame of female hired killers. Along the way, she encounters increasingly odd procession of hired guns, ranging from the teacher, uh, a lunatic who's a, who is a lunatic in a wheelchair, the painless surgeon, a foreigner who likes Japanese women and sticking pins in himself, and Dark Horse, an enigmatic character dressed in black whose victims always die smiling. Along the way, number three is trailed by a young girl who wants to learn her trade. Now, this seems like a fairly straightforward kind of plot as far as assassins doing yeah. assassiny things. Yep. Uh, but it's an opera in every sense of the word. There are moving sets that the camera pans around as though you're watching a stage produ production, but it's not on a stage. It's it's like a movie, but mixed with those kinds of elements. Um, there's some songs, and I do believe in this movie as well. Have you watched um, the Have you watched the 1967 original? I have not. Okay. I don't believe so. It, it's one of those where most of his movies are Criterion. So oh, you're, gotcha. You're paying for them. Yeah. Um, now, back to him getting fired over Branded to Kill. Uh, has a little bit of history with him in Nakatsu Studios. Nakatsu signed him to a long-term contract. Nearly all the films that he made for Nakatsu were program pictures, also known as B-movies. They were production-line genre films made on a tight schedule and shoestring budget that weren't meant that were meant to fill out a second half of a double feature. B-directors were expected to work fast, taking any and every script that was assigned to them, and they refused scripts only at the risk of being fired. So a lot of times they had to make it no matter what it was. They, Suzuki maintained an impressive pace, averaging three and a half films a year, and claims to have turned down only two or three scripts during his years at the studio. And after he got fired about that, he tried to get uh, more of money that they owed him, and they blacklisted him. He didn't work in the, uh, he didn't make a movie for like ten years. He was just doing TV stuff. Then he was able to come back, and then he takes little breaks now and then. It, he just kind of was all over the place. He was 80 years old when he made Pistol Opera. And oh, he is wow. Now, he's, he's now 91. Um, and he's made one movie since. I haven't seen it yet, but it looked a uh, similar style of a living film opera. Okay. Which is hard. It's a hard uh, concept to digest by a long shot. But Pistol Opera is one that, uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, what in the hell did I just watch? This is so bizarre. And it's hard to keep up with all the plot elements, but I love everything that I'm seeing. And I've watched it a few times now, and I, I, I love it. There is nothing... I have not seen anything like this in a movie ever. So even if you love it or hate it, everyone needs to see this at least once because it's completely unique. So, so I, yeah, I'm curious. Um, okay, so you did like it. Um, is it like a – now, obviously, this is soft underbelly, but is it um, is it uh, the general population type friendly, or is this so bizarro that, that uh, you know – no, it's no, a hard, is it a, so. is it a difficult watch? I guess so to because some of these some of these Japanese you know, movies they can be really because it's two hours. So for me sometimes it's like killer first thirty minutes 
and then hours worth of oh, let's go, and then killer last thirty minutes. There this, is there is some of that, but you have to. This is all about reading between the lines and putting the pieces together and seeing what they're implying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So even in the, some of the slow parts where they're just talking. Even if the plot is a little uh, slow, you're fascinated by what the cinematographer is doing or what the art design is doing because it's so strange. Like, it's almost hard for you to uh, absorb everything that you're seeing in one sitting. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Okay, uh, a good way that I thought to put this, it's almost like uh, David Lynch directed a cartoon. Because, like, you know, I was going to bring up David Lynch because it sounds kind of David Lynch-ian. Very. It's very David Lynchian, But But in uh, an understand, like Lost Highway, where you understand what's going on, but you still have no idea what's going on. You know <laughs> oh, what, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's very very much uh, the good Lynchian. <laughs> yes. Or um, uh, a better example would be Mulholland Drive. Very much like that. Very colorful, very yep. poppy, and some songs, and all kinds of weirdness. And you're like, I don't even know what this means. But at the same time, you're like, I'm not. I gotta keep watching this. This is sweet. Yeah. Uh, but overall, like the first and third acts, it kind of comes around and makes a lot of uh, sense. There's a lot of metaphor for big, heavy issues, and it's all very apparent. Um, it's hmm. I, I love it. It's a fantastic film. I was looking to see if there was another a better way to get it because I just have this weird uh, Tokyo Shock import DVD, and uh, nope, not not really. No, there it's a uh, it's even four three. It's not even uh, widescreen. Wow. I, no, don't, I, I I don't even don't even know if there is a widescreen. I looked for a Blu-ray. There's no Blu-ray. The only thing that would come up is this copy. I couldn't no. even find alternate copies of the DVD. Now I am looking on uh, Amazon, and it is on Amazon Prime, um, so you can it? stream it. Yeah, it, you can rent it in SD. It's only in standard definition, uh, but if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually uh, watch it on Amazon Prime. And it seems it looks like it's in the original language with English subtitles. So that's yeah. cool. Um, nice. Yeah. I tried uh, to look, but I don't have Amazon Prime, so it wouldn't let me search to even see if it's available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. So that's yeah. something I could I could watch for free. So oh, to speak. Well, yeah. there you go. That, yeah, that would be prime underbelly, and it, you might you might absolutely hate it. But I'll tell you one thing: there is no other films like this. I'm telling you, yeah. it is very unique. I, I went. I wondered if I was one of the very few that actually liked this movie. So I did a little research on uh, other ratings around the web. IMDb uh, has it at a six point four, and that's from one thousand and twenty nine users. That's a positive. That's a positive. Uh, yep. Metascore has it 75 out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, 79 fresh on their critic meter. Now, that's, that's, that's good, but that's from 19 reviews. So even the critics haven't seen this thing. Uh, the audience review on Rotten Tomatoes is 48% liked it, uh, with an average 3 out of 5 stars from 2,200 users. So that's still kind of positive. Averaging wow. Three, again... People giving it pro and con, you know, and a lot of people too are, are saying if this is your first Suzuki, don't start here if you're going to watch Suzuki films because a lot of the older ones are more uh, streamlined, more direct, more understandable as I understand it. Um, I believe I've seen a couple of them, but but not enough to really say I got a handle on his work. And I, I know he's made 
40, 50 movies back in the day, and they're all kind of tend to be black and white Yakuza movies, which uh-huh. are awesome, right up my alley. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, yeah, Yakuza, black and white, I'm, I'm in. The only problem is, most of them are Criterion now, because mm-hmm. I guess he was so far ahead of his game. And that, that, but that was uh, when he was heavy under the thumb of studios like this Nakatsu Studios, where it's like you're on a budget, you're on a you're a paycheck, and here's a script, and he would do the best that he could. When he's off on his own, he's making crap like this, yeah, <laughs> like Pistol Opera, extremely bizarro, weird Lynchian. Well, it's, what's funny is what, the, everything that you've described about this seems like something that Takeshi Mike would do. All of this seems like something that he would... Tr- now, I'm not sure if he could pull it off like this, but it seems like something he would try to do, because that just... He's all about weird, you know? That was another name I was thinking of bringing up, because Go- it is Gozu, kind of, yeah. I, I, it yeah, is, I'm not sure yeah. where that... <laughs> yeah, it's right in that ballpark, but the thing is, it's way more colorful and, and vibrant and beautiful in, in a lot of its scenes. And it, yeah. it's so funny, because one scene you'll be like, this is the most pretentious crap I've ever seen in my life. And then they go to the next scene, and I'm like, wow, that was kind of deep, what she just said. That was that was good writing right there, wow. And then you go to the next scene, and the camera's spinning all around all over the place while guns are being shot, and you're like, this is crazy. Then the next scene, it's almost like on a stage, and it's a play. It's it's just crazy, dude. It's so bizarre. It's one of the strangest films I've ever seen, but it's I really like it. After a couple of viewings, it, I had to digest it. But Yeah. Yeah, That's it sounds like something that I would love to at least check out, uh, probably like. I, I think that you've already talked about this movie to me in years past, mm-hmm. uh, because even the cover looks very looks looks like something that I've seen before. I haven't. I don't think I've seen the movie. It's. I know I haven't seen the movie. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you have or not. I think I let you borrow it one time. I don't even know if you finished it. That was yeah. a long time yeah. ago. And I, even since then, uh, we've both, I think, come a long way in trying different things. Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, I would definitely be up for, for trying that one again, especially that I, uh, now that I see that it is on Amazon Prime. I can watch it yeah, immediately. Yeah, for free. Yeah, but, but first I have to get through Apartment 1303 before oh. before I do anything else, you see. Yeah, be sure and let me know how that turns out because yeah. I'm done with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> for any listener out there that's wondering what that is, stay tuned for the next uh, Movie Freaks for uh, more info on that particular title. <laughs> I won't yes. spoil. I won't spoil it here, or waste my time here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. Well, that's that's great. Now, did you have another movie that you had, yes. that you had wanted to? Okay. Yes, I got. I got to throw in a, a 1970s uh, kung fu movie, and this one it, it tends to be kind of standard, but it is just stands out as a gem of all uh, of the rough of all that is old school kung fu that we talked about last time, mm-hmm. and that is from 1979, and it's called Hell's Windstaff. Ooh. <laughs> now nice. I only have this on VHS. This is part of the Wu Tang collection uh, that okay. was released. Uh, the Wu Tang Clan picked their favorite movies and put them out through uh, Arena Home Video and Xenon Entertainment Group. Um, and this one here, that they all got hilarious covers, but it's it's a fantastic old school kung fu film. Uh, synopsis: Two young kung fu experts are terrorized by an evil warlord whose weapon is known as the Hell's Windstaff. Basically a big bow staff. Uh, but he's wicked with it. Uh, with the aid of an old rival of the warlord, they train in, in the... One trains in the dragon hands, and the other trains in the rowing oar, which is literally he has an oar, and he beats the crap out of you with it, uh, to face off against the deadly Hell's Windstaff. Now, the reason that the, each one has to learn a different one is because each one has to be a master of each one 
of these different styles, and only with these two styles working in unison can they defeat that Hell's Windstaff style. So that was something that you don't see a lot too, where it's usually, you just have to learn my style, and because my style is better than everybody's style. But this time it was, you learn that one, you learn that one, they work together well, and between the two of you, you should be able to conquer this guy. Um, Okay, I wanted to, to, to. Oh, there's a lot of humor. It's a great genre blender too. There's a lot. There's so much humor in it, and, and like the lowest of brow humor, poop humor. Uh, going to the outhouse, they're trying to trick their old master, and they give him some like diarrhea stuff. And, no. and then and then he tricks them by giving them the cup, and then they're fighting over who gets to go in the outhouse first, and then someone falls in the poop pit, and <laughs> it's like it's just insane, silly. It's got some of the the craziest training sequences ever we've talked about that before yeah, oh yeah yep yep now i, mean, I can't one, I, I, I can't find this on imdb and i did notice when you held up because you actually held up the, the vhs mm-hmm. hells is spelled h-e-l-l-z it's, you, it's you z, see it's z on this vhs but if you search it with an s it should come up i had it on imdb and i had it on uh wikipedia as well um yeah okay. just the way it sounds hells win stuff Okay. Um, not sure if there was another. Anyway, one of the training montages, one of the training sequences. I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was this movie. He's hung upside down by his ankles, high in a tree. He has to push off the tree, spin around halfway, do a sit up, grab his ankles, then his back smacks into the tree. He bounces off again, has to loop down, spin around, do a push off off the. Tree. It was just crazy, and I'll tell you. All the way through, I didn't know if these guys could actually pull it off because in the final bit, they're getting their ass kicked. I mean, completely, like, I was like, they're going to fail. This does not feel like they're going to win. Obviously, they're going to. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about the um, uh, DVD. It is available on DVD with some exceptions. Oh, boy. It's dubbing or... You've DVD full... was released in Region 2 of the United Kingdom on... Uh, in February t- 2003, it was distributed by Eastern Heroes. In the U.S., it was released on DVD by Xenon Video in a widescreen, 235-1 ratio, original language, Cantonese with Chinese, and English subtitles burned in. The ending where you see the bad guy get shoved into a tree stump and his legs yanked apart like a wishbone is truncated. Oh. So you can have the widescreen, but at that part's going to be a little shorter. Ah, uh, what? The world Why? video re- release from 2001 is full screen, English dubbed, and it features the full ending. So if you want the full thing, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be full screen, English dubbed, if you want the full ending. I'm not sure if mine has it or not. I remember that scene. <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> um, wow. But anyway... So, what what is the actual kung fu in the movie? Is it actually, is it, like, good kung fu, or is... Oh, it's fantastic. This is another one, uh, Corey Yun, I believe. Okay. With the the Matrix movies and the the go-to guy. This was one of his old ones, 1979. Because I know that some of these, the the fun of some of these older ones is some of them are so bad that they're good. Then there's other ones that are truly, truly good movies, or at least feature extremely well-choreographed and well-done kung fu in them. So, you know, it... I understand what you're saying, and this one yeah. has the best of both. Okay. Because the the scenes where it's comedy and they're screwing around are are actually genuinely very funny. Yeah. Um, and then when they get down to the fighting and the training and all that stuff, it's badass martial arts. It's awesome. And, okay. and that Hell's Windstaff is scary. 
<laughs> this sounds like I would love it. Like this sounds like even like Pistol Opera sounds cool, but this sounds like totally me late night pouring a drink and and because I'm I'm really getting more into these old school kung fu movies, especially watching the Bruce Lee stuff and even the more recent uh, Jet Li movies. Uh, right. This sounds very cool. And this is older than those. I mean, seventy nine, but it still yeah. is. Oh, it's great, man. I loved it. I've watched this movie so many times. I need to get the DVD. All I have is this VHS. But then again, which DVD do I get? Do yeah, I, I know. widescreen? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I am surprised that uh, it sounds like the DVD pretty much had it all right, except I wonder why they, they had the end truncated just a bit, if it was the the master that they got to use or if they thought okay we have to trim some of this violence or what because sometimes studios can only do can only work with what they've got so that might have been the master that they were able to use probably and i kind of like my version is subtitled and i wish it would be dubbed because some of the subtitles on this are like i think that i'm on my vhs and here I am complaining about the quality on my VHS <laughs> movie from 1979. But the, the, the subtitles are, like, yellow, so they tend to... It's a bright film, so it tends to... Sometimes oh, bleeds blend, over. Bleeds in, I can't yeah. even tell what they're saying. It's sort of like... It's like, I don't even... Yeah. I don't even there's, there's a yellow blob at the bottom. I don't yeah. even know what it says. Yeah. Yeah. But, now, hey, the, the, the Wu-Tang Clan, you know, they, they were... Uh, <laughs> hey, they picked it, good movies, and now Riz yeah. is making them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which well, I great. think is hilarious. That's as full circle as you can get. <laughs> yes, that's right. Did they? Do you know? Did Wu Tang Clan? Did they come out with a huge series of kung fu movies like that? They were reintroducing. I'm not sure. Or? I'm not sure how many are in this series. I, I think maybe a dozen, and I think okay. I have. I think I have half of them. Okay. Um, but then, yeah. But about the time I stopped getting them, I they, I couldn't find them anymore, and then everything was going to DVD. Yeah, uh, I need to go online and see if I can't order the VHS because surely I can get the VHS for like two cents plus shipping, right? I would guess. Yeah, <laughs> I need would to you, see if I can't do that. Would you rather have the VHS? Like, does it just not matter? Like, or I'd obviously rather have the DVD because some of these VHSs are beat up and they like skip, like the yeah. thing wasn't looped right. Um, but you know, if I can get them for get get them for a buck a piece as opposed to five or ten bucks a piece, yeah, I might as well just take the VHS. Yeah. Whatever. Gotcha. Cool. Good. Good. Well, I got to wrap this up here. We've hit the half hour mark, but I appreciate you being back on the show and uh, chiming in on Pistol Opera and some Wu-Tang goodness. Hales uh, Winstaff. Hales Winstaff. And that is a cool name, by the way. I will yeah. say that. Actually, both both of those movies have great titles. Uh, so anyway, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, stay tuned for more movie freaks coming soon. And uh, as always, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com with any questions or movies that you think that uh, I should take a look at or movies that you think Eric should take a look at. Um, yes. And um, that's going to do it. Uh, let's not make this for a long, awkward, uncomfortable ending. So I'll just say goodbye and you can say goodbye too. <laughs> uh, bye. 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 <laughs>